1: Lucky Lucky pocket as you can tell my voice is still crazy. Left.
2: Working through it. Just
1: pushing <clears throat> through it. Brought to you by Anora Whiskey, whiskey.com It's that premium American whiskey. HonoraWiske.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you do so responsibly. You gotta do it responsibly. Today's show. We're gonna talk about the defense. What's the defense the ceiling? How many stops per game do they need to get for Notre Dame to win games? And what are we looking at? We're going to talk about spring quarterback battles left. Mm. Would Notre Dame be one of those spring quarterback battles that leads to a transfer in May? There are about six or seven around the country. Will Notre Dame be part of those? Then on top of that, we'll hear from thomas harper who joined the show left and he gave us an update on what he thought the defense will be moving forward yep. based upon what he saw in the bowl game so ll question of the day <laughs> are you a steak and eggs guy are you a steak and eggs guy Left, I can't do steak and eggs for breakfast. I'm sorry. Mm. I can't do it. It's just a weird combination to me.
2: A weird combination.
1: Yeah, it is. It's just a weird combination to me.
2: Never heard of that before.
1: I don't know. Like, I know a lot of people make the choice between what? uh, French toast, pancakes, and waffles. And it's weird that some people don't like pancakes, some people don't like waffles, but man I'm not a steak and egg guy.
2: Mm. Not a steak and egg guy. <laughs> I'm not. I find that interesting because the steak and egg combination is a is a is a nice classic on a brunch type of Sunday. You know, you don't want to have it every day. But on a nice Sunday with some mimosas, some steak and eggs go well, but you got to have it around 11, 11.30, not first thing in the
1: morning. So it's about the time of the day. You would get it like late night or around that time instead of just like a normal breakfast.
2: Yeah, if I'm going early morning breakfast, I do the bacon and eggs or something or maybe do a peanut butter and jelly and some fruit or something, you know, try to, try to stay balanced, but light.
1: If I'm not mistaken, most steak and eggs are like T-bone in restaurants.
2: Yeah, they're going to try to go all out with it. The problem is they make the steak bigger than the egg proportion. So mm. you got to get the hash browns and all the extra uh, the balance. See, you know who has a great balance? Waffle House. Waffle well, House has a great balance for the All Star
3: Breakfast.
1: <laughs> Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Man, I sound crazy. Cb Nation and conjunction, Irish Breakdown. All of our great content. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. What's the overall look at the Notre Dame defense going into the spring?
2: I think it'll be a different look for our defense. I think it'll be something to where you're going to be in a position where the the secondary is the strength of the defense, and I think it's going to be from the back to the front heavy or strength instead of the front to the back heavy. First year, Marcus Freeman had a, a really strong front seven. Now he has a very strong back end with a a, a great linebacking core that has a lot of potential and, and has a high ceiling this year that, you know, I wouldn't say they're going to be at their peak this year, but you're going to see a, a dynamic linebacking corps that's going to make a lot of plays uh, due to the, the fact that I personally would like to see the D line uh, make a big impact this year. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they're not, the same with the, with, uh, without Isaiah Fowski. However, having that strong back end could definitely uh, boost the overall defense from being a bend but not break. Uh, I know we had a huge struggle with um, stopping the, the run last year, giving up a bunch of 100-plus uh, run yard games. Averaging that and limiting that is going to come through from tackling in space, which we have great linebacker athleticism this year. And also being able to uh to stop the line at the uh stop the ball at the line of scrimmage coming from the secondary uh support. So I do think the run support will be stronger, but coming from the linebacker and back end. And I think we will limit it under hundred yards, but it's gonna be a different challenge. But I think it is the reverse this year. I think from the back end to the front is the strength
1: as opposed to the front to the back was the strength last year. Let me say something that I think most people might disagree with. J.D. Bertrand should be an All-American this year.
2: Are you asking me? Or-
1: no, I'm just saying it. Like, it, Look, <laughs> I need 100 tackles because there's no excuses. You've been well, in the system for three years become an impact player like if you're just gonna be the smartest player on the field that gets everybody lined up then we need to have superstars next to you if you're gonna be that dude either you need to become a dude or you need to be surrounded by dudes yeah that's huge for me
2: yeah i think uh he's gonna be surrounded by guys that's gonna allow him to make plays. But JD's, uh, I think his best position is just being a, a captain of the defense out there, getting guys in the right spots, um, forcing the tackle back to those younger players, knowing to play beforehand, helping guys get aligned, uh, communicating on the field, things that you need as an ingredients to a great defense. Uh, and is coming from not particularly the best player on the defense, but a player that without him being out there, you wouldn't be able to see the highlights of a guy like Isaiah Fosky, of a guy uh, uh, like a, a, a Prince Kali or a guy like uh, Jalen Snead or even Nolan Ziegler. I think the development will be accelerated with the experience of a J.D. Bertrand being in there communicating, maybe not as the best, like I said, player on the defense or the most athletic but a, a piece that you're going to need if you want a successful defense, especially playing late in the season.
1: Something else that I think is going to be prevalent is the opportunity for young defensive backs left to get a shot in the spring. Cam Hart is coming back from his injury. That means the other guys, the young guys, are going to get a lot of reps in the spring. You know, Brian Driscoll put a great stat in a story yesterday. I think the last five games that Cam and Benjamin Morrison played together as starters at the end of last year before Cam got hurt, they allowed, Notre Dame allowed 158 yards in the passing game, 5.5 yards per attempt, and held opponents to a passer rating of 98.75 so that duo is pretty good you have to replace Tariq Bracey in a nickel you get Tarmus Harper coming back or as a transfer that's a nickel safety what do you do with Clarence Lewis does he remain your third he's not the type that you can put inside so Is he willing to only play 20 to 25 snaps? Or is he willing to move to safety and strengthen that that group back there? So it'll be interesting to see how the reps in the spring benefit the overall squad defensively.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a great spring to see where guys kind of best fit into the defense, I think it's good having Al Golden coming back uh, to get another year of guys and see how they develop throughout uh, last season and the offseason, but also be able to uh, fit guys into places where, you know, the, the holes need to be filled. I think there's a lot of questions that surround um, particularly where the strength of the defense is going to come from, and I think it's going to be a lot closer to being answered Knowing that the staff is more intact, I think Marcus Freeman feels way more comfortable with this coaching staff uh, defensively. And and having a second stab at it, man, I think there's a lot of hungry players, not just in the receiver room, but uh, from just the linebacker core that he's going to be in charge of. And I think uh, it's going to come together, but it's definitely going to be something worth watching and how it develops, especially from certain key positions. I think that nickel position, and the safety position are going to be huge for identifying who's going to be the thumper, who's going to be the, the guy that you need in pass protection, and who's the guy that can kind of be both. So um, the nickel's going to be great at, great at replacing. We have a lot of great options. And that's going to stem uh, to fitting in that linebacking core, who can play well with those linebackers that are not only young, but you got some veteran in there, but you really want to see that pop this year.
1: Young guys like Ryan Barnes and Chance Tucker. <clears throat> they'll get their opportunity to make plays and get in that too deep. They have to take advantage of the spring, man. This is it. You talk about quarterback battles. There are some battles on this roster defensively that could also lead to some transfers in May. So, we'll I, see lucky lemon positive.
2: I do think if you see some transfer happen, that's a good thing. You know, I think there's been clear transparency within the program, but also uh, guys acknowledging that, you know, the guy is taking the spot and he's made it his own, especially if it happens in the spring. That's a good tell for the fall. They're going to be ready to play.
1: Can Benjamin Morse follow up his freshman year? Are you concerned? With the expectations being raised for him,
2: fortunately, his expectations is at the right time with the expectations of the secondary, and and how they have progressed from last year and what we've seen, and we're excited about the year before. So, uh, not only is Benjamin Morrison under a heavier or higher expectation, but he's good. But he's good for it, just like the rest of our secondary, especially with Cam come back. The unit is going to be experienced and also challenged with two of the three games, maybe possibly three of the three games we must win or have a really great chance of of, of being in, in in a position to win, that they're going to throw the football. And the one thing that we know is that uh, the games that we've struggled in has been due to some of the pass protection. But I think that's going to be beefed up this year, and it's going to be a great challenge for a team that who are you going to go at are you going to go back and try in the fifth year, Cam Hart? Or are you going to say, let's stay away from the young All-American? Or are you going to say, let's let's try to test the inside? So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, coverage that we'll have in this secondary. But Benjamin Morrison is going to be obviously in, in the the spotlight, starting the year off, especially against teams like Ohio State and then and, and getting involved in uh, potentially being a – Uh, This is where he earns his draft pick and draft stock. So it's a huge year for everybody.
1: You know, I put Chansey Stuckey under the microscope offensively. Al Golden has to be under the microscope. He has to be. The one thing the Notre Dame defense does have is experience for the most part. You know, you lose Isaiah Foskey, you lose Jason Adamiola, Justin Adamiola, but you still have plenty of players coming back that played major snaps last year at every level. Al Golden tries to be super complicated in his defense left, but the more talent you get, (laughs) the more simple you should be in your calls. At least that's the way I see
2: it. Yeah, I mean, you, as a defense or offensive coordinator, you want to challenge your guys to um, increase their football IQ as the season goes on. You believe they can handle it, especially, I'm sure, Al Golden feels like the Notre Dame man can handle a defense that may be complicated or whatever it may have you. But a lot of that comes to experience. I always believe, even in preparing for a game, the more – information the better and the more the game plan and the more detailed and oriented and the more involved uh that i enjoy about the game you know obviously you know simple can be uh better and and when you play simple you play a lot faster but some of these teams like that we're going to face this year which when the talent is of equal level you're going to need some coaching you're going to need some different calls you're going to need some things where Guys have to put their football IQ against the other guy when the talent and athleticism is matched and and be the better man. And I think that's kind of what Tommy was trying to do offensively. Uh, Guys are coming along, but defensively, I think having a second year at it with young, talented guys coming in, I think the guys that are there now can lead by example and have a better fit and knowledge of a defense that I think they can get. You know, that double safety blitz is a wild one. But I don't think it'll look like last year either, especially running with the same guys.
1: I don't care if I ever see another double safety blitz. I <laughs> game, bro.
2: You gotta have dudes though.
1: <laughs> Man, that double safety blitz is still like a nightmare. And, and I'm so sure I'm not the only one.
2: I think a double safety blitz is smart if they if they time it well and you have good. One on one coverage on the outside, your linebackers got to be wise enough to get under a throw long enough. Like they don't have to be over on top of the throw if they're running vertical. Mm-hmm.
3: Just,
2: just be in the passing lane, you know. Be, be, be ready to snatch something coming out quick. But your safeties can't be ten yards deep on the snap either.
1: <laughs> I don't know left. I see no need when you have the two defensive backs that you have on the outside. I see no need to take as many risks. Maybe well, maybe with your linebackers, but not with your safeties.
2: Well, think about the game. We was, we was running through holes, missing tackles, not hitting home with the linebackers. He's like, man, we got to get somebody home. And maybe he thought the safeties was the athletic replacement for the linebackers that wasn't getting any pressure. I mean, the D-line wasn't getting any pressure either, so he probably thought adding somebody faster to a rush could get C.J. off his timing. But, man, C.J. turned it on in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly why he
1: should be before Will Levin. (laughs) Lucky Lucky Podcast. I know one thing. As a defensive coordinator, you need to identify – the people that know how to blitz. That's right. Everyone does not know how to blitz.
2: That's why we got a, uh, I think that's why we got our
1: safety. Uh, no, Ramon trans- Henderson knows how to blitz. Xavier Watts can blitz. Maris Leifau is not good at blitzing.
2: Maris Leifau needs to redefine his role in the position.
1: So he just needs to strictly be what? A defensive end?
2: A run stopper. (laughs) A weak side wheel run stopper. Don't even worry. Don't even play outside the box. Just make sure you make the tackles when they come to you and rally tackle when they get outside of you. But playing that pass coverage and all that, I don't think that's his strength.
1: That's interesting. You should say that. you don't think so huh
2: but maris leifelt is just in a position where he's faced with playing with guys who are as a group getting more athletic than he is so maris leifelt 4 years ago would be impressive when he first popped on the scene but now we got guys like jay nosberry and and uh, Jalen Sneed and Prince Kali and Nolan Ziegler, guys that can fly around that we're more excited about in a sense because they're the new new puppy in town. So I think Maris has to find his J.D. Bertrand role and and just really focus on how to be an integral part while not being the, the main attraction as well.
1: I can see that. So we talked about jd bertrand needing to step up or he needed to be needing to be surrounded i mean you're talking about putting Maris at the wheel on the weak side that's that's not surrounding him with superstars in my opinion at the linebacker position
2: you don't think he would be surrounded with if you put a well, who would you have at the middle? You have what, Nolan Ziegler or something, or Prince Collie?
1: Yeah, uh, JD, JD Bertrand had started in the middle. We already know that.
2: So they moving him from nickel to middle. Nickel. I thought he was playing a nickel come down, run box type of run. Look, I didn't know he's playing the direct middle.
1: Who, JD Bertrand?
2: He was playing a direct middle. Yes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I thought he was because I always seemed like okay, that makes sense in the Purdue game or the Cal game when he got the pass interference, he was playing the middle. I thought he played outside or something. I thought Prince Collie would play in the middle; he would play outside.
1: Well, yeah, a lot of people are concerned about Prince Collie's weight. You know, he's only like two fifteen right now, I believe. Oh yeah, never mind. So, down and down. Can he hang in there at two fifteen?
2: No, <laughs> I wouldn't count on him. You need a nice what would you say two forty?
1: Do 90? you? Do I see a lot of a lot of linebackers going to the NFL that played at 220, 225 in college?
2: Really, that's pretty standard. I thought two forty is where you wanted, or is that two thousands linebackers?
1: I mean, yes. You, you trying to get your inside line back it the be 24250. Dude.
2: 215 uh, it sounds light for the for it to be the middle though.
1: I want to say Brian Urlacher played it like 2 235. That is, yeah, he was like 240, 245.
2: 215, just too little for me personally. Mantow is what? 225, 230?
1: I mean, that's what I'm saying. You can get away with 225, 230 in college on the interior. Now I was about 235, about
2: 230. Tavon was about 230, 235. But, I mean, Prince Colley adds a different dynamic also with his speed and power. I think having him and Jalen Snead out there is, is is dynamic for the run game. Yeah. I think that would be a limiting factor in getting under 100 yards averaging to your backup running back that seemed to be doing work on us every game. Yeah. Yeah. And then got a Xavier Watts coming down or a Ramon Henderson coming down.
1: And Mike Huff, I see your comment. We're not talking – we're talking about transition, college. Brian Urlacher wasn't 260 in college. He was playing safety at like 220, 225. And when he got to the Bears, he got up to about 240, 235, 240. That's They're not – Later in his career, he might have got up to about 250, 260. But when he transitioned to the NFL, Brian Urlacher was still about 240 at at his heaviest. Playing middle linebacker. And the game was different back then. It wasn't today's NFL back then. It was still heavy runs.
2: Man, you could use a 240 linebacker about now. If Prince Collin was 240, he'd be a monster.
1: I just feel like 240 right now is too much, dude. Especially if not, especially if you're playing inside.
2: Who is he? What is what does he have to worry about if he's playing the middle? Everything everything should be forced back inside anyway. Outside runs should be forced back inside. He's just coming downhill, cleaning stuff up, holding down in the middle when they try to spread Mm -hmm. us out. Especially if we got light in the pants, D-linemen.
3: No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
1: So let me check this.
2: Because like Prince kali isn't like an Isaiah Simmons.
1: You know what I mean? Like Devin Lloyd, Devin Lloyd, his last year at Utah was 232. And Devin Lloyd's a monster. That's what I'm saying. But he was 232 as a senior. As a,
2: yeah, okay. That's, oh, well, well, Prince Carl is a red shirt junior right now. Yeah. He should be up there in that.
1: In two, as a
2: red shirt junior, you're tripping. <laughs> <laughs> All that good old food up at training table, man. I know they on you about the weight. All them yeah. beans, peanut butter, chocolate shakes. Yeah. After man, come on, man. Yeah, I tell you, I was one eighty five my first spring semester. Coming in by the end of spring, going into fall camp, I was like two oh five. Then the next year I was two fifteen. Then next year I was two twenty five. I was big. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. Redshirt junior year, I was maxed out about 235, 230. So, come on, I can't be bigger than Prince Prince Colley.
1: Well, uh, I'm sorry to tell you that you might be in that position, bro. Yes, I, know, I, I know I was nice back then. Uksu was at 215.
2: That's a senior, bro. But that's okay because he playing in space and he was just a freak athlete,
1: you know. So I think Nolan Ziegler right now is at like 2.30. So he should be ready to play. And Nolan Ziegler's like 6'3". Right. 6'3", he he a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Nolan Ziegler ready. He was ready when I saw him in spring spring ball last year. Oh, my goodness. He was like, he's like lanky. So I know he getting sideline to sideline for sure.
1: And I'm trying to see here. J.D. Bertrand is listed at 228.
2: See, that's why I said you may not be the the best on the defense, but that's an integral, nice size and weight that you should have on your defense as some as some position. He just can't be the reason why we lose games. If he's not the reason why we lose, I think he'll be a, have a great season. If team's not out there going empty trying to line him up against a running back out wide <laughs> like they did last year and just throw go routes inside, I think we'll be all right.
1: Yeah, that 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 is interesting though. That'll be very interesting.
2: I know Ohio State linebackers in that two thirty range. All them suckers are big. I remember playing Northwestern when they had Trevor Simeon. I thought their linebackers were as big as their (laughs) D-linemen. They were so big. Like, it was – they even had like a 225 safety or two like a 220 safety at the time. Like, oh, my gosh. Northwestern was huge. I'm like, oh, they had to be. They were slow, but, I mean, man, they were some monsters.
1: So the linebacking core, most might say, really need to be the next level group to step up besides the defensive backs. You talked about it. Being able to hold teams under 100 yards. Heck, I would like it if they just hold the backup running back down this season. (laughs) If they could just do that in comparison to what they did last year. But just moving forward, I think the sophomore class is about to step forward. You saw Jalen Sneed get his run in the bowl game. Nolan Ziegler got run at the end of the year. A uh, question for Nolan Ziegler, according to most inside the building, is about him getting up to weight, getting his weight up. So, I think he's up to about 230 now. Time to see some of these young guys roll, up.
2: Huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, the game is changing.
1: <laughs> I
2: guess. I like doing guys with heavier. I thought the game was a lot more authentic.
1: Left still wants linebackers run, walking around at 6'3", 265.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at Georgia's football team. Everybody on that team is at least 6'3", 265.
1: Like <laughs> yeah, dude, but N'Kobe Dean, was, N'Kobe Dean was like 220. Okay, but N'Kobe Okay, the difference...
2: The difference with Kobe Dean, he was a six-year, you know, the man knew every part of the game. You know, he had them special qualities,
1: which a J.D. Bertrand should be. <laughs> Look, I just think the linebacker position today is totally different. I don't need my linebacker to be two forty. I'll take Devin Lloyd at two thirty. All day, every day.
2: See, that's what uh, Alabama does. Alabama would take a Logan Diggs. Logan Diggs would about 220, 230, turn him into a linebacker, and he be a monster. RJS may be a linebacker. He'd be a monster, too. RJS may about 240. Mm-hmm. Something crazy. He about 245, Look like. <laughs>
1: Aldrich might get up to about 250 before it's all said and done. (laughs) Easily, easily. Man, Lucky Lefty Podcast.
0: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement.